0: Not so live
1: brunch. We are live. (laughs) Welcome to another episode of live brunch.
0: Not so
1: live brunch.
0: Not so so. live
1: brunch. Welcome to our first ever episode of the Not-So-Live Brunch. Uh, We are not actually live uh, this morning. Uh, We pre-recorded this episode, so if you do drop in your questions. We are are live now. We we, we are live. We are always live when we film. Uh, If you do drop in your your questions on the YouTube, I'm afraid we won't be able to answer them, but we've put our smartest minds together and have come up with some questions which we think could be practically helpful uh, in terms of understanding and applying the preach that we've just heard. Matt, do you want to do a quick summary of the preach for those just tuning in?
0: Yeah, I can do. So the premise of the whole message really was that fact that we can actually understand uh, our relationship with God through Jesus Christ in even a passage like this where God speaks to Abraham and talks about the promises that he has for him. And also it was a, uh, a message that's about God appears to him, God shows grace to him, and then God asked him to follow in obedience and part of that obedience was circumcision. So yeah. that's what he asked him to do. And that's what we talked about. I've been
1: terribly rude, I haven't introduced ourselves, please forgive me. My name is Johan, this is Matt Carvel, who has just preached to us and we are joined by the lovely Christine Lydia who is part of our preaching and research team. So good to have you with us Christine. Um, We start off with small group questions, so three questions which you could use to help facilitate your conversations and discussions in small group and no we will not be asking you to share any experiences. We've got three questions, the first question is, What's your understanding of how the Old and New Testaments fit together? And how did this message help you? Question number two, what do you think it looks like to walk with God in holiness without becoming legalistic or moralistic? And the third question, in what ways does this passage remind us of our identity in Christ? Use that to encourage and to pray for one another to walk in that this week. And let's unpack the second question. So Christine, you said you'd be up for looking at this question with us. What do you think it looks like to walk with God in holiness without becoming legalistic or moralistic?
2: Well, Matt talked about walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And we have the Holy Spirit living in us, and Jesus is our Emmanuel, he's with us. Now I think sometimes we say, yes, we believe that, but we're not thinking about every step we take he's with us mm. so I think it's about living our lives out of that place so that when we come to a decision something like that we can always because we're in relationship with him because he's walking with us we can just ask what how, what should I do about that what do you think about that it means that if I make a, a mistake if I do something wrong I can just say sorry and and put it right and just keep walking so we're not all going to we're not going to be perfectly holy that you know we're, we're not because only Jesus is perfectly holy but we've got him living in us helping us to walk in holiness and we, we won't get it right all the time but we have him helping us and I think that's how you get a balance in that
0: I think all of us have like a sinful tendency that goes one of two ways some of us will err towards uh, legalistic I think I've got to do these right things and and feel that God is a, the taskmaster that's just making us like that others are, think well I'm never going to do it so what's the point it doesn't matter it really matter how I live and that sort of thing but the, the middle way the, the gospel way of actually as Christine is saying walking in grace walking in a way that knowing that we are forgiven of our sin, uh, but also that God's ways and what God, the way that God wants us to live is actually good for us and a blessing to us even when it's difficult. Um, and that is what it looks like to walk in grace, but yeah.
1: Brilliant, uh, we, we then, at this point, we start looking at a, a topical question, it's a question that's been, uh, something's been <laughs> in the news, and this isn't really much of a question, but it's more of a dig. So Matt, Euro 2020, Scotland came very close to qualifying for the next round.
0: That's generous, to be fair.
1: Matt is Scottish. <laughs> they were down a the goal, they equalized, too. we had hope. We had hope. Especially after they drew with England, and you thought, one more goal, I and know. we're in to the next round. But alas.
0: You know what, At, at know, least, three-way. at least I got to celebrate a goal. It was. It was going to be even with getting a draw against England, which was good. But this even to is just the kind of not get a goal, you're getting a war price for participation. <laughs> nonsense that we have to do.
2: <laughs> but it does. Um, it does show us the folly of putting our yes. hopes in the wrong thing. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes. A lot of the it. England fans are also. Oh yeah. That's right. Is, yes. it, is it so coming home? I Tuesday, thought that was a really
1: topical. On Tuesday. We've got England Germany. What's your prediction?
0: Oh. Be careful. <laughs> that's a dangerous. a dangerous one. I predict. Um, I think England will lose. You predict England will lose, Christine?
2: Mm, I think it, Yeah, I think they might. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I think England will win. Uh, uh, come say, back sorry, next week.
1: I, I should have clarified. Matt is Scottish, which is why. You did say that. Uh, did I say that? Yeah, you did. did. So, that's fine. so Scotland yeah, getting no, kicked out of Euro is particularly painful for my good friend Matt. Anyway. Uh, moving on, let's, moving let's do some on, let's some questions about the sermon that you just spoken to us. I, I guess one of the first questions um, that I'd like to look at is uh, quite often when I have conversations with some of my friends who aren't Christians, uh, mm-hmm. they would say that the, the God of the Old Testament seems to be a lot more harder to, to follow and to love and to worship. You know, he's, he's asking mm-hmm. uh, Abraham to circumcise his son and he got the commandments and, and judgment and all of that. But Jesus, on the other hand, yeah, his teachings uh, yeah. seemed a lot more palatable, mm-hmm. and his teachings seemed to be uh, yeah. easier yeah. for us to, yeah. to accept yeah. and acknowledge, it. and that's the kind of uh, God I can I could believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. How would you? What would you say to somebody who had that question?
0: Yeah. Okay. So I think uh, in I would want, be wanting. Anyone I speak to about, um, about the Bible and about Christian things who's not Christian, I would be wanting to point them to the person of Jesus. Because in Jesus, the Bible tells us that we see the, the clearest picture about who, who God is and what he is like. But when we do that, and when we look at Jesus, we do see that there is um, grace and truth. There, there is um, an open invitation to receive the love of God through Jesus. Like Jesus, That's what Jesus has come to do. He didn't come to condemn the world, but the world might be saved. The world might be rescued. Um, but part of being rescued is acknowledging that we need rescued. And actually, uh, Jesus does, as, as Christian has already mentioned, um, exemplify in his life righteousness and purity and um, holiness. And, and so that's, that's, the, that's the bad news that comes before the good news. And so Jesus's life is a provocation and Jesus's life um, shows both of those things in equal measure. In terms of connecting the Old Testament and the New Testament, the thing about saying, well, Jesus is, is, oh, his message is more palatable. Well, actually, when we get into all that Jesus says, it wasn't palatable. It wasn't palatable then and it's not palatable now. Like they crucified him because of what he said. Like it wasn't what he did, it was what he said um and what he said about other people and what he said about god that's where that's what that happened to him, but also one of the things that Jesus says is to affirm the Old Testament, um which is really important to uh recognize because again, yeah, i've come across that as well, even as Christians, I think sometimes this idea can sleep, uh, sneak in that Jesus is like, he's my buddy. And he's, hey, thumbs up. Jesus, you're great. You know, Actually, Jesus gives his thumbs up to the Old Testament. He said, scripture can't be broken. It's all good. It's all perfect. It's all, it's all actually about me. That's yeah. the other thing Jesus says. It's yeah. all about me. And so, yes, the Old Testament is more difficult to understand. And sometimes the picture of God that we see is not so clear. But Jesus says to actually understand the Old Testament, you need to understand it through him. Mm. And so, yeah, I think if you're trying to understand the Old Testament before you've seen Jesus is, it's going to be more difficult i'm going to see sides of, of god that are going to be confusing and that sort of thing but i think when we see it see the old testament through the lens of jesus it's we start to see like hopefully i've explained today see that grace uh in 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 how god deals with humanity um Brilliant. yeah Anything
1: down to that,
2: well yeah I, I think that we tend to compartmentalize aspects of god yeah. and actually he's one Mm-hmm. He, he is the Father, and he is the Son, and he mm-hmm. is the Holy Spirit. And when we see Jesus saying, you know, anyone who's seen me has seen the Father, he's we're, we're saying, well, the, who is that Father? He is the God of the Old Testament, and mm-hmm. Jesus is mm-hmm. the God of the Old Testament. And I think we try to separate yeah, what yeah. is actually or who is, is actually one being. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And um, that's hard to get our heads around, and I think that's why we tend to do that. But I think it's not very helpful Mm. to think in those terms of separateness. Mm. Yeah,
1: yeah. Very helpful, another tough question. Um, I guess this is a story of God dealing with a man, and even the act of circumcision is very much an act for a man. So um, if you struggle with the patriarchal emphasis of the Bible, Hmm. um which is which this passage seems to be an advantage of <laughs> yeah. what is the role of God's relationship with women and his covenant with women how does that all fit in what would you say to that
0: yeah i think I think firstly um when, like when sort of studying this passage thinking about it this week in the lead up to preaching this message it, it's just like'm I'm not, I'm not completely sure I, when that question of like what, why is this focused on the men and, and, and not the women? Why is this sort of key symbol just something that was for the men? Um, I, I don't know I have a great answer to that. However, in a, on a more broader point, yes, there's no getting away from it when you look at the Old Testament you see, and the New Testament, let's, let's, let's be, be fair, um, a, a patriarchal society. Um, and and that, that, is, that is there. But I think when you study it when you look at it, there's examples, and I think this this passage is one of those examples, where um, where the the temptations, everything that's wrong, and everything probably that our culture nowadays is reacting against, everything that's wrong about a patriarchal society, actually is is challenged, and is and I think the circumcision thing is one that I talked about in the message about actually God is humbling them, like he's contrasting. Uh, um what who they are to be compared to other people groups who would use their their, their masculinity, manhood, strength to push down others. Mm. Um but 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 God um you know humbles the proud and and lifts up uh the, the the humble. And then we see that again and again. And actually um the Bible to be honest is in one sense full especially in the old testament full of women who have a hard time. And we see that again and again. But the question, how does God respond? How does God speak to those women? How does God work in their lives actually to lift up and to restore? So it's not like, you know, again, I think I talked about a few weeks ago, I was saying everything in the Bible is like that is the way that life should be. No, no, it's not presenting. It's presenting this is the society. This is what happened. But what we need to think about is how did how did God and how does God now interact with, with people? And often we see when the men are abusing their uh, a, a place of responsibility, <laughs> there's a humbling, <laughs> there's a bringing them down, there's a taking them out of power. And often we see when women are, are being, you know, we see it in, even in Genesis, treated as property or treated not as they should. God's grace comes to them and shows that actually, no, God's not approving this actually God is writing a different story with people's lives. But I don't know, You I'm sure you... No, no, I'd agree that.
2: with that. And I'd also point out about Sarah, that we're going to see next week, yeah, actually, yeah. that God, through an angel, does speak to her personally and changes her name. And her name, I can't remember what her name means in the first place, but the second uh, variation of her name, Sarah, means princess. Mm-hmm. And there's a kind of lifting out of all that mourning and sorrow that she's experienced as a bower and woman. So. Um, it's not that God is not interested yeah. in women at all.
1: Mm, we're looking forward to that. We're looking forward to that live brunch discussion as well. Mm. Um, okay, another question. It sounds like the, um, the, there's a cost to following God. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, Jesus bore uh, the cost of following God. What do we do if we find it difficult to have a relationship with God because he seems so holy and so righteous to us? Uh, it becomes a barrier. Yeah, I think that that's... If this is the standard too high? I guess that's the kind of question.
0: I think it's, um, I think it's a great question because I think um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an honest question because I think sometimes this is, this is how we can feel, especially when we're aware of our sinfulness. We think, we just come back and think, why, can, why does God want anything to do with me? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think sometimes, even as a Christian, you can feel this more acutely Because you think, actually, Jesus has gone to the cross for me. I know the gospel. I know God's love. And yet still I have sinned. Still I have turned away. Still I have gone my own way in in, in life. Um, And so I think we can feel this acutely like, you know, this is holy, righteous God. And I can, there's that shame that comes upon us that think God doesn't want anything. But actually that is, so I think, Part, we have to recognise a part of that is lies. Uh, if the gospel is God is holy and God loves us, to say God is holy, therefore God doesn't want anything to do with it. Now, that's, that part's a lie. And sometimes we can project that onto the holiness of God and say, because God is holy, that's going to affect my relationship. Well, if we, if we got there, we've not understood the gospel Um, because the gospel is God is more holy, more holy than we can realise. Our conception of holy must be so much smaller than the reality of what God's holiness is. Um, Yet, you know, by the same token, God's love for us and what grace actually means is even bigger as well. And I think if we are in a position of saying, well, I struggle to have a relationship with God because I just reckon he's so good and so holy, then actually we're, in one sense, we're actually saying that we know more than God because God says, I am holy, but I've dealt with that and I've dealt with your sin and I can bring you to myself. Um, so to, for us to keep God at arm's length, it's a sort of, I guess in one sense, it's a sort of fake humility. It's, it's, a, it's a falsehood and we're saying something, we're, con- we're contradicting God in that C- because God's reconciled it in Jesus. And so I think if we're struggling with that, we need to see need to come to the cross again and see at the cross we see the holiness of God and the judgment of God but also the love of God and we see those two things come together
1: I think there's also the element of uh, it's maybe yes the standard is is quite high but there's moments when I don't want to do the right thing yeah Mm -hmm. I, I want to be a bit naughty or I want to do something where where the question comes in about you know is God too holy for me or am I too unholy yeah. for Him? Yeah. And and we forget that um, God's holiness I guess is translated into goodness for us. Mm. Uh, yeah. And there is something about you know making wise decisions and uh, not doing things that are sinful mm. is actually good for you. For you, mm. mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the the I guess the, the laws, the statutes, and everything uh, are all for the well-being of society yeah. and therefore your yeah. own well-being and. Uh, and we know deep down that no, there is right. Yeah. It is right for us to do good. It mm-hmm. is right for us to, to not sin. And um, and, and, I, and I guess if we didn't have Jesus and if we didn't have the Holy Spirit, <laughs> this would be a very different conversation. Got, mm-hmm. You'd be like, well, why would you even try? Yeah. It's, it's not possible. Uh, and I think no, the start, knowing that your your sin has been dealt with and you have forgiveness and you've received Jesus' righteousness, it's as if um, when mm-hmm. God sees Jesus' righteousness, uh, uh, cl- you clothe in that righteousness. Um, and then knowing that the, it's the Holy Spirit that enables us to transform yeah. us from one degree of glory to the next to be more like Christ. Mm. It's quite an extraordinary promise.
0: And I just want to contrast that. I think I did a little bit in the message, but contrast that with other ways of living. Mm. Because, you know, I talked about uh, with Islam, there's obedience, there's wanting to do the right thing, hoping that it's enough to get to the righteousness and, and that God lets you into To heaven and and buddhism with with trying to trying to earn something trying to get somewhere but also just in a general sort of secular attitude it's all about what we can do and so this 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 idea of morality this idea of justifying ourselves by what we do and the right way to live and that sort of thing this is not a christian thing it's not even a religious thing Mm. it's actually a a human thing a people thing because we all try and do this we all try and um live in a certain way, think this is the right thing to do. If I do these set of things, I'm going to be happy and successful and have a good life and that sort of thing. And then, but yet we contradict ourselves. We don't do what we th- think we should. We, we can still feel shame and guilt and all those sorts of things. Like, and that's because, well, the, the Bible says that's because we have that inbuilt acknowledgement of righteousness um, in us, but we don't escape that by not being a Christian. like We still have that, mm. but by being a Christian, we have a solution to that. We have a, a solution to uh, guilt, we have a solution to shame, and that's coming to Jesus, and Brilliant. yeah. Mm.
1: Brilliant. I think that's all we have time for today. Yeah. Matt, you handled a tricky uh, bit of scripture really well. Thanks, well nice. done, mate. Uh, thank, <laughs> thank you for joining us, Christine. Thanks so much for joining us on not, the Not So Life Brunch. Uh, episode this week. We look forward to being with you next week. We've got Joel Virgo preaching to us.
0: Yeah, continuing week. what Christian was talking about there.
1: Yeah, carrying our reboot series. So tune in at 10 a.m., uh, live o- online on a Sunday, and then live brunch, the not so live brunch will follow that. But if you'd like to book into one of our services, we've got services here at the Clarendon Center at our building in Hove, uh, and, and something is going on with the Shoreham uh, location as well. So more information, we are manual.com forward slash services. But have a wonderful week ahead. Hopefully, the weather gets better and we will have summer again. But from us here in this studio, see you later.